Our scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 1-1. This is where it all started, Genesis 1-1. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Henry Thompson, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Brookside at the Brookside campus. And I don't know about you, but I'm over this winter season in Kansas City. Um, hope spring is on its way soon, but I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to preach the word to you today on this snowy first Sunday in March. Are y'all with me this morning? Okay, okay. I need some amens this, this morning. So um, uh, let us begin uh, before we pray. I mean, let us pray before we begin. See, see, this is why I need y'all this morning. Father, uh, just thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for um, bringing each and every person here this morning, Lord. I pray that you would be glorified this morning through this sermon. And uh, we thank you that you have been glorified already through our worship, Father. And I pray that you would just uh, speak through me this morning, Lord. I pray that you would be glorified and exalted. Um, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In March of 1989, two very important things began. Now, we heard the first thing earlier from Paul. Christ Community Church began on March 5th in 1989, making Christ Community 30 years old this week. Now, the second thing that began in 1989 during March is arguably more important, at least if you ask my mom. Because on March 23rd, 1989, my life began in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, the picture, oh yeah, yep. Uh, I was born to Vivian and Henry Thompson. That's my mom in that picture, and that's me, of course. And uh, I'm named after my father, and, and this is my beginning. And we all have beginnings, don't we? We all have a starting point, and as we go throughout our life, we have multiple beginnings. We begin grade school, we begin college, we begin a new job. Nine months ago, I began the pastoral residency at Christ Community, I know some of you have just began marriage or are about to begin marriage. Some of you are beginning to parent. Some of you have recently begun to become grandparents. Some of you have may, even have may have recently entered retirement or have become empty nesters. No matter what they are, all the beginnings in our life are important. And I was reminded of this truth during this past week because I began reading a book called A Sojourner's Truth by Natasha Robinson. In this book, she writes, beginnings have meaning. Beginnings reveal the purpose and value of our lives by shaping us into the people we are to become. This quote highlights the reality that all the beginnings in our life have significance. What are some things that you have recently begun? Or what are some things that you are hoping to begin in your future? In our text this morning, we are going to see 
that all our beginnings have their source in a God with no beginning. Today we start a new series called, a new series walking together through the entire book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Genesis is the first book of a five-volume set referred to as the Pentateuch. Genesis was written by Moses, the person that God used to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. Moses wrote these things down for the Israelites to prepare them to enter the promised land. This is important. He didn't write them down to answer our questions, but to help the people of Israel know who God is and how he's different from the Canaanite and Egyptian gods. So as we walk through these words, we have to look first at what the Hebrew text is trying to communicate to them, not with our questions, opinions, cultural imperialism, or issues with science. We have to begin with the text. So let's look back at Genesis 1.1. It reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, I was proud of myself this week because this is the first text that I preached on that I memorized. Um, So, like... But through our text this morning, we're going to see that everything begins with God. Everything begins with God. This morning, we will walk through four reasons everything begins with God based on our text this morning. First, we see that everything begins with God because God has no beginning. Everything begins with God because God has no beginning. The God we serve has no beginning. Now, our first point is rooted in the first four words of our text. In the beginning, God. Now, the first phrase, in the beginning, does not refer to a specific time like one billion years ago or 50,000 years ago. Instead, it refers to the beginning of time itself. Now, the God spoken of in this verse exists outside of time. The God in Genesis 1-1 has no beginning or end. He is eternal He was there when time began. The Bible begins with the one who has no beginning, God. Importantly, Genesis 1-1 does not read in the beginning humans or in the beginning material or in the beginning the cosmos. It reads in the beginning God. The Bible does not begin with humanity or creation because God is the creator of the universe. Everything and everyone finds their beginning in him. Now, in our culture, the first four words of this verse are probably the hardest to believe. In the beginning, God. We live in a culture where people question the existence of an eternal God. Prior to the 1500s in the West, it would have been nearly impossible to find someone who questioned the existence of God. But after enlightenment and technological advancements in science, we entered the modern era. And in this era, people began to question the existence of an eternal God. People in our society are skeptical about God. And the skepticism in our culture even influences Christians. During my sophomore and junior year of college, I remember having significant doubts about the existence of God. 
In college at Indiana University, I encountered people who led me to believe that faith in God was implausible and even idiotic. And I seriously started to doubt the first four words of Genesis, in the beginning, God. During this time, I developed a friendship with a fellow student named Patrick, and my friend Patrick did not believe in God. We would have long conversations and arguments about the existence of God. I was thankful for these conversations because I was able to explore my doubts. This period also led me to read every Christian about Christian apologetic book I could get my hands on. I read numerous books by C.S. Lewis and Tim Keller, and by God's grace, I came to see that science was not incompatible with faith in an eternal God. I learned that science was good and had led to many advancements in our society, but I also learned that science could not nullify the first four words of Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God. Now this past summer, I was reminded of this truth because I began a book called Making Sense of God by Tim Keller. In this book, Keller writes, because science's baseline methodology is to always assume a natural cause for every phenomenon, there is no experiment that could prove or disprove that there is something beyond this material world. To state that there is no God or that there is a God then necessarily entails faith. And so the declaration that science is the only arbiter of truth is not itself a scientific finding. It is a belief. Keller is making the point that since science is primarily based on observation, it does not have the capacity to disprove a God beyond our visible world. Those who believe that science undermines God's existence are exercising faith. Now I know some of you may have serious doubts about God, and we hope this church can be a safe place to explore these doubts because we live in an age where our faith in God is perpetually challenged. In our society, many people explain our reality without referring to God, but in Genesis 1-1, we see that everything begins with God because God has no beginning. He does not have a birthday because he exists outside of time. He always was, always is, and always will be. He is the Alpha and Omega. That is the beginning in the end. There was nothing before him, and there will be nothing after him. He is eternal. In our text this morning, we see that our God has no beginning. Amen? Now, we don't only see that God has no beginning in our text we see that God created everything. In our text this morning, we see that God created everything. Now our text again reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The author Moses let the Israelites know that the God he is talking about created the heavens and the earth. This would have set this God apart from the gods of the Egyptians and the gods of the Canaanites. By saying that God created the heavens and the earth, Moses is letting God's people know that he created everything. Heavens and earth is a poetic phrase that refers to everything. This text shows us that God created everything. But we live in an era where we have found a way to explain the creation of the universe apart from God. When I was in seventh grade, I remember the way my science book basically explained the creation of our universe. 
It basically claimed that gases and material reacted against one another to create our planet. All the details are not clear in my mind now because that was a long time ago. But I know for sure that it never mentioned God. And I did not know it in seventh grade, but later I found out that our culture is deeply impacted by naturalism. And I was reminded of this a few weeks ago when I started reading a book called Evangelism in a Skeptical World by the author and apologist Sam Chan. In this book, Chan writes, naturalism is the worldview that matter is all that exists. This means that reality is limited to what we can observe in nature. It also means that there is no such thing as God, miracles, or the supernatural. We live in an age where people presuppose that what is only observable exists. But this is not true. There are things that exist beyond our eyes. We see this through science because they have discovered other solar systems with larger suns than our own that we cannot see. But there are also spiritual forces that we cannot see with our eyes. There are things that exist beyond our material world. Despite the influence of naturalism, we live in a world that points to a supernatural creator. I was reminded of this truth once again by reading Tim Keller's book, Making Sense of God. In this book, he writes, nothing cannot produce something. Everything must come from something that already has being. This means that there must be some unique being that exists without cause, that did not spring out of nothing, but that is its own cause and the source of everything else. That one being who is being itself is God. Again, because all natural beings have cause, there must be some supernatural entity that exists without a cause from which all has come. This quote highlights the reality that our created order points to God. God created the moon, suns, and stars. God created the ocean, the Great Lakes, and the Rocky Mountains. God created Venus, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto. God created the Grand Canyon, Niagara Falls, and all the beauty in our national parks. He created lions, bears, kangaroos, zebras, elephants, and human beings. God created North America, South America, Africa, Asia, Europe, and Antarctica. God created everything. And God's amazing creation was intended to point us to him. Amen? Now, I know some of you may be thinking, I get it. God has no beginning, and he created everything. But what does this mean on Monday through Saturday? What does this mean when I'm at home spending the majority of my time raising my children? Or how does God, being eternal and creating everything, connect to my life on Monday? I can answer these questions best through a brief illustration. Now, go with me here for a minute. There was an Italian astronomer named Galileo who lived during the 1500s and 1600s. Galileo was a great mathematician and he made significant advancements in the field of astronomy. But he was a controversial figure during the period that he lived in because he believed something very unpopular in his era. He believed that the earth revolved around the sun. During his time period, most people believed that the earth was the center of the universe. Galileo was censored by the church in Italy for his beliefs, but after he passed away, 
science came to show that Galileo was indeed correct. Now we all know the sun is the center of our solar system. And this is good news because our solar system would fall apart if the Earth was the center. Because our planet does not have the gravitational force to hold our solar system together. In a higher and holier way, we see in Genesis 1-1 that we, humanity, are not the center of the universe. Even though everyone in Western society knows that the Earth revolves around the sun, the influences of our culture can lead us to believe that we're the center of the world. Since God created everything and has no beginning, we revolve around him. When we seek to live our life apart from God, things start to fall out of orbit because we do not have the power in ourselves to hold the solar system of our life together. Throughout our week, we must continually center ourselves around God if we're going to follow Jesus in all areas of our lives. This is why we did our Church for Monday series. We want to equip all our congregants to follow Jesus throughout their week. And we do this when we center our lives around God, our eternal creator. I know some of you may be a stay-at-home parent raising two, three, one, or even four or more children. And it may seem like you have no time to center your life around God. But centering your life around God during your week may look like meditating on scripture and praying while your children take a nap. Or if you're someone who has a busy schedule due to work or other commitments, centering your life around God may look like listening to scripture in your car or praying in silence as you drive throughout your week. It may also look like offering God a short prayer throughout your day as you face difficulties at work, at home, or in your community. Since God created everything, we can center ourselves around him also by thanking him for his amazing creation. We should thank God for our jobs, home, and cars. We should thank him for our family and friends. We should thank God for the beauty we enjoy in nature. We should thank God for sunsets, beaches, and mountain trails because all those things are ultimately derived from the one who created everything. In our text this morning, we see that everything begins with God because God created everything. Amen? And since God created everything and has no beginning, we can conclude from our text that God runs everything. From our text this morning, we see that everything begins with God because God, as creator, runs everything. Since God created everything, he is the one in control. He is the ultimate king who graciously rules and reigns over his creation. The original audience, the Israelites, would have understood this right away. They would have understood that the God who created everything was greater than any of the other pagan gods of the other nations. They would have known that the God who created everything had authority which they needed to submit to. And we see this truth that God runs everything throughout the entire Bible. In Romans 11, 34 through 36, under the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. In this letter, the Apostle Paul basically says, When has God ever gone to someone for advice? Or when has God ever 
been given a loan by someone else. He asks these rhetorical questions because he knows God has never been given advice or given a loan. He knows that God is all-knowing and sufficient in himself. He knows that God is all-powerful and that everything finds their origin in him. He knows that God has authority over all things because they all come from him. And this is what we see in the first verse of our Bible. Our God is sovereign over everything. In light of this truth, we should submit to God's authority. Since our eternal God created everything, including us, we should submit to his authority in our lives. God has a right to tell us how to live our lives throughout the week. He has the authority to shape our view on sexuality. He has the authority to shape the way we treat our neighbor. But we naturally resist God's authority because of our fallen nature. We naturally want to rebel against God's commands. Because our sinful pride leads us to believe that we know how to best lead our lives. But this is not true. This is why God sent us a Savior, Jesus Christ, to save us from sin and death by dying on the cross and raising from the grave. Through Jesus, we can submit to God's authority under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Since God created everything, he has sovereign authority over everything. Now, when I was growing up as a kid, the parents in my family really understood this truth. They understood that when you create something, you have a special authority over that creation. And when the parents I was growing up around really got you know, mad at their children, they would say this phrase. When their children were really rebelling against their authority, they would say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> now, I know none of you would ever say this to your children, but I think especially the mothers I grew up around implicitly understood that they had a special authority over their child because they brought them into the world. Since they brought their children into the world, they realized that it was reasonable to ask their kids to submit to their authority in a higher and holier way we should all submit to God's authority because he brought us all into the world and all our resources find their genesis in him. God has a right to tell us how to treat our spouse. He has a right to tell us how to treat our family and friends. He has a right to tell us how to live in a broken and fallen world. He has a right to tell us how to spend our financial resources. He has a right to tell us how to spend our time. He has a right to tell us what we should look at on the internet. He has a right to tell us how to use our words towards other people made in his image. And he has a right to tell us how to use the power that he has given to us. As our creator, God should have the seat of authority in our lives. Amen? Now, this truth can be so hard to believe because we live in a postmodern society where absolute truth is challenged. We live in an age where it's easy to question God's truth and authority in our lives. In his book, Evangelism in a Skeptical World, Sam Chan writes, in post-modernity, there is deep mistrust of organized religion, government, and other forms of established authority, because that is exactly what authority figures do. They impose their meta-narrative upon all people and use truth as a weapon to force people to conform to their meta-narrative. 
That's also why in postmodernity, we employ a hermeneutic of suspicion upon a narrative or truth claim. This quote highlights the reality that we live in a society where people question institutions and authority figures. It also shows that we have a tendency to be suspicious toward authority and those who make claims of absolute truth. And this makes a lot of sense. My voice got really hot right there. <laughs> and this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> because we do not have to look far to find people who use their position of power to abuse people. We see this every week in the news, but we cannot allow the abuse of authority by fallen humans to keep us from submitting to our God's authority. The power, the God of Genesis runs everything because he created everything through his power. In Genesis 1-1, we see that everything begins with God because God runs everything. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, Henry, I get it. God has no beginning. God created everything. And as creator, God runs everything. But why did God create? If God is all-powerful, self-sufficient, and eternal, why did he create the universe and everything in it? Well, this question leads me to my fourth and final point this morning. Everything begins with God because God is love. In Genesis 1-1, we see God's incredible love through his act of creating. And maybe this feels like a leap from verse 1, but I'm convinced it's here. The original audience, the Israelites, knew that there were many other creation stories from other pagan religions during their time. In all the other creation stories of the ancient Near East, the gods create out of chaos and war or out of need. The gods were like, there's just too much work to do. Better create some human slaves. But not this God. As the true God who made everything, our God needs nothing. He didn't make us out of lack or out of chaos or anger. He doesn't need us, but he makes us anyway out of love, out of delight. And Genesis doesn't just tell us how we exist, but why and for whom. And it's for him. God made us and everything else out of the overflow of his love. God created us to have a loving, rela loving relationship with him. But we, his creation, rebelled against him. We forgot our eternal creator and rebelled against his authority. But thankfully, the same God who created us out of love decided to save us through that same love. If you don't believe me, let me read a few verses in the New Testament from 1 John 4, 8 through 10. These verses read, Whoever does not love, does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Even though we rebelled against the God who lovingly created us, he still showed love for us, his creation, by sending Jesus into our world. Jesus existed from the beginning of time as part of the Trinity with God, but he took on flesh and died on the cross to cover over all our sins by his blood. 
Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave has made it possible for us once again to have a relationship with our creator. The God with no beginning, the God who created everything, the God who runs everything, the God who created out of love. We live in a love-infused universe because everything begins with God. Everything begins with God, even our own salvation. Amen? Let us pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace, Lord. I thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to draw us closer to you as a family, as a church community, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this point where our church has been in Kansas City for 30 years, Lord. I pray that you would continue to lead and guide this church by your spirit, Lord. I pray that you would lead and guide the senior leadership and all the leaders and all the pastors and all the staff and all the congregants, Lord. I pray that you would keep us by your grace, Father and continue to grow us in our faith, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.